We can never exhaust his provision. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? And, uh, and even when we, uh, when we come to, the, um, to a place in our lives where we, we just uh, are overwhelmed um, and cry out to him, he is faithful and he will provide exactly what we need. He is the great I am. Uh, well, this evening we're, we are in Nehemiah chapter 7, and as you're turning there to Nehemiah chapter 7, um, we had made, well, actually Pastor Frank made the announcement on Monday, but I'll, I'll, I'll make it uh, today. Um, that is that Pastor Don McClure will be here on Sunday, September 24th, so just in, you know, a week from this coming Sunday, Don McClure will be here. Uh, for those of, uh, of the men that are going to the SoCal Men's Conference, he'll be there, and then the next day he'll be here, and, and then he'll be uh, leaving for some time uh, for ministry outside of the country. But I, I'm, just, I'm excited to have Don McClure here, looking forward to his teaching and just spending some time with him. And so mark your calendars for that. Invite friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, you know, everyone that you can to come. It's a special treat. One of my favorite teachers um, truly someone who has uh, been a, a significant uh, instrument that God's used in the Calvary Chapel movement, um, was a close friend of Pastor Chuck's and, uh, and came alongside him in so many ways. So again, just, uh, just take advantage of that time. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to see him on, on Sunday, September 24th. All right, so Nehemiah chapter 7, the wall is now finished. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we have come to the place in the story of Nehemiah, the account of everything that took place in which we are now post-wall, Lord. We, we see uh, here and we will learn what took place immediately following the hanging of the gates and, Lord, the, uh, the assignment or the appointment of the gatekeepers and even, as we'll see, the singers and Levites and and why that's important, Father, and the whole reason why they gave themselves to this work. And I pray, Father, that we ourselves would be encouraged, built up by your word, that as we study, Lord, we would see how this applies to us today. Uh, Lord, that which you were faithful to help them with in that day, Lord, you are faithful to help us in the day in which we're living in. Lord, you love us with the same love that you loved them. And, Father, there's a work to be done here. And so help us, Lord, to persevere. Uh, to trust in you in the same way that Nehemiah did in that day. Lord, that we would have the same perspective. And Lord, that we would also persevere uh, even in the face of the enemy attempting to, to stop us individually and corporately from advancing and, and completing that which you have entrusted to us. And so, Lord, speak to us this evening, I ask. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us understanding of your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Nehemiah chapter 7 and verse 1 says, Now when the wall had been built and I had set up the doors and the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed, I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the governor of the castle, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a more faithful and God-fearing man than many. And I said to them, Let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot, and while they are still standing guard, let them shut and bar the doors. Appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, some at their guard posts and some in front of their own homes. 
The city was wide and large, but the people within it were few, and no houses had been rebuilt. So although they had the wall rebuilt, they had hung the gates, they still had some more work to do. In fact, as we see here, um, the city itself had uh, few inhabitants. It wasn't fully inhabited. It wasn't populated completely. And uh, even there were homes that remained in rubble um, that needed to be uh, rebuilt. And yet, they had succeeded in rebuilding the wall, hanging the gates, and doing the things that we see before us and we just read about. Everything had been connected. The gatekeepers had been assigned to the gates, and there were even um, guards that had been posted in front of the houses. So it's not just in front of the, the gates of the walls and on the walls and in certain strategic areas or weak areas, but also in front of homes. But with the building of the wall and the hanging of the gates, we also see here an appointment of some other groups. That, if you notice, we had not just uh, guards, and we had all kinds of people working on the wall and hanging the gates and doing all that, but we had singers and Levites. Singers and Levites that are, that are listed, and the people who were appointed. I'd like to bring us through the things that Nehemiah and the Israelites had experienced up to this point, because it's important for us to understand why it is that they were rebuilding the wall. It's not enough to just say, well, this is a work of the Lord, but what we need to understand is why it is that we're giving ourselves to the work of the Lord to begin with. It was critically crucial for them to understand why it was that they were rebuilding the wall. Why it is that they were hanging the gates. Why it is that they were appointing gatekeepers, guards. But also to remind you of the fact that the enemy did not want this work to be finished. You see, if you learn why it is that they were rebuilding the wall, hanging the gates, why they were even there in Jerusalem, coming back from Babylon to rebuild, to, to participate in this work that God has sent Nehemiah and everyone to participate in, then as you learn that why, you begin to realize why it is that the enemy came at Nehemiah and the whole work in such an aggressive manner. And so I think it's important for us to go back and just kind of get a refresher up to this point. Nehemiah had heard from Hananiah, his brother, of the condition of Jerusalem back in chapter 1 and of the people who were there. He told Nehemiah in chapter 1, verse 3, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. This was the condition that Jerusalem was in, and the word that Hananiah, Nehemiah's brother, brought to him as he asked about it. This grieved Nehemiah and brought about great sorrow in his heart. Nehemiah, as we remember, wept and mourned for days, which was followed by four months of fasting and praying, of seeking the Lord. Four months. 
After this, we know that Nehemiah was presented with a God-ordained opportunity to not only tell King Artaxerxes what was grieving him because he saw his countenance. And obviously, this is, this is a grieving of the heart. But with that opportunity that was given to him by God, he also turned the heart of the king to provide him with everything that was necessary to rebuild the wall, to go with letters, giving him all the resources necessary to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem and hang the gates. The very moment that Sanballat and Tobiah heard of this work, it hadn't even begun. It was at that point when they heard this, that Nehemiah was sent with letters from the king. It says in chapter 2, verse 10, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. Immediately, the enemy was ready to pounce. We know the enemies of Nehemiah and those who were giving themselves to this work were Sambalot, Tobiah, and Geshem. And these people were regional governors who were serving under the king, the very king who had sent Nehemiah with letters. And yet, they took it upon themselves to oppose the work that Nehemiah had been allowed to do and undertake. One was a Moabite, the other one was an Ammonite, and of course we have Geshem the Arab. And yet, even though they served the king, again, they opposed the work. These people, as we saw in chapter 2, verse 19, mocked Nehemiah and falsely accused him. In Nehemiah 4.1, it says, Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. They planned opposition to fight and cause confusion, and, and to cause confusion towards the Israelites, the ones that were building in Nehemiah chapter 4, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 9, or verse 7, it says, But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. A few verses after that, Nehemiah 4.11, Israel's enemy threatened to kill and stop the work, to kill them. As I had mentioned, when we went through chapter 4, at this point, the enemy knew that the only way to stop this work from advancing was to kill them. And so they were threatening to kill them, to, to stop the work that was advancing. They weren't stopping. In that same chapter, we had even fellow Jews who were now trying to convince those who were participating in this work to stop. Ten times by their fellow Jews, they were told, stop, come home. Stop. Come up ten times. But we know that the enemy wasn't done. 
In Nehemiah chapter 5, Nehemiah dealt with internal issues with the Jews. He dealt with that, and then they continued the work of rebuilding the wall. Once they continued the work, we now come to Nehemiah chapter 6, where Sambalot and Tobiah were at it again, trying to entice Nehemiah to come down from the work and to talk with them. Four times they sent word to Nehemiah to come. Let's talk. Remember in the plain of Ono. Come, meet me in the plain of Ono. But Nehemiah didn't fall for it. How he responded all four times. He said in chapter 6, verse 3, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? It says in verse 2 of chapter 6, explicitly, but they intended to do me harm. Well, the enemy kept coming even after those four times of trying to entice him, convince him to come down and to talk with him in the valley of, or the plain of Ono. The enemy kept coming a fifth time, a fifth attempt to stop the work. Sanballat sent an open letter for all to read. And in this letter, he was falsely accusing Nehemiah and the Jews of building the wall as a, a form of rebellion against the king. Even saying that Nehemiah himself wanted to be king over them. And he was using this open letter to strike fear in the heart of Nehemiah. And bring him down from that work. Perhaps by doing this and having public opinion turn against Nehemiah. But that didn't work. But the enemy also didn't quit. Sanballat and Tobiah hired a, a false prophet to entice Nehemiah to enter into the temple, which would be a violation of the law. This would bring, bring shame upon the name of Nehemiah. It would undermine his authority and, and bring him into that place of having his, his influence undermined. But that didn't work either. The wall was finished in spite of the direct and opposition that he had encountered, threats and internal issues. And in spite of local alliances which had been formed with those who were directly attacking the work of rebuilding the wall. As we saw at the, the final portion of chapter 6, we know that even those who were influential in Jerusalem were sending letters of reference to Nehemiah to endorse uh, Tobiah and Sanballat. So in spite of those alliances, the, those relationships that had been built, the work of rebuilding the wall, not only continued, but it was, it was done, it was completed. And that brings us to where we are right now. In chapter 7. At this point we know the doors had been hung. And then there were the appointments of the gatekeepers. And the singers and the Levites. 
But the rebuilding of the wall and the appointment of gatekeepers, the appointment of the singers, and the appointment of the Levites only makes sense when we understand that this work was for the purpose of worshiping God. In an environment that was secure, in an environment where they could safely guard that place of worship. All of the attempts by the enemy were thus aimed at stopping the bottom line. This is what they were doing. They were, they were trying to stop the worship of their God. That's what they were trying to do. What perhaps the enemy didn't realize is that every time there was an attempt to stop the work and it did not succeed the people were actually taken into a deeper trust in the Lord and a deeper personal and corporate relationship with him and with each other. After all, it was because of the attacks that came against the Israelites that they had to come together, band together. They had to arm themselves with swords in one hand and a trowel in the other. They had to be assigned in the areas that they considered to be weak. Also in front of homes, on the wall. They had to work together in unison, always being watchful, always being on guard, knowing that the enemy could strike at any moment. Knowing that they had to endure psychological warfare. The enemy trying to strike fear in their heart, even threatening their very lives. To kill them. Threats from within. Enticements. To try and stop the work. By their fellow countrymen. It caused the people. You see. To identify who was the enemy. To band together. To come together in such a way. That they became themselves. Impenetrable. Think about this. This is exactly how the church ought to be. Sometimes when the enemy attempts to strike and the church bends together and tightens up, when the shields are clashing together and we are advancing in lockstep, what happens is our hearts get knit. We get stronger for it. What the enemy meant for evil, God means for good. That's exactly what was happening with the Israelites here. That's what the enemy wasn't counting on. The more they were confronted and attacked, the more determined they were in the work that they had given themselves to. They were more determined to praise God. They were more determined to glorify Him as they saw Him faithfully working in them and through them. Do you see that? Sometimes we're reminded of those things. I know there's battles that you have of your own. I know everyone goes through battles. 
But as you come together with other brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and you together confront these attempts by the enemy to bring destruction, where, whether it be in a, in a marriage, a, a friendship, whatever it may be, when you come together, what happens is what the enemy means for evil, for destruction, God means for good. I know we've gone through things, my wife and I, to where I can tell you that as we go through them and we see God's hand moving, it doesn't feel good while we're going through it, but we know, we've seen it time and time again. When we get to the other side, we're better for it. You see, God is faithful. He is good. Just keep your eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of our faith. Keep your eyes fixed on him. If we experience these battles with the enemy, because it's one of two ways that, that we go. And I've seen it. And, and I've seen both responses. Perhaps you have too. If we experience these battles with the enemy and we end up in, in a state of bitterness, angry, disengaged, and this actually causes you to stop the work that God has ordained for you to engage in and complete, then what happens is you don't actually experience God's victory personally and, and corporately. Whether it be in, in, a, in a group or, or in your family or in your marriage or in your church, you don't see it. But if you successfully continue the work and are more determined to finish it, and you do, it will always lead to God's glory and more established, a more established love of God and his worship will deepen. This is the why. This is why they were rebuilding the wall. This is why the gates were hung. This is why the gatekeepers were assigned. And this is why the singers were appointed and the Levites had been called to serve and minister. Because this is, in its entirety, was a worship service. It was to facilitate the worship of their God. That is the why. That is why I tell you, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. He is the only reason why we are engaging and giving ourselves, devoting ourselves to ministering to him, to serve him. That is the only reason. There is no other worthy reason. None whatsoever. This work was completed, and incredibly, it was completed in 52 days. And it was at this point, as we read here, that Nehemiah stepped aside. Hananiah was his brother, and the one who had initially, remember, reported the condition of Jerusalem and the people to Nehemiah. And then we also have Hananiah, who was the co-leader with Hananiah, now of Jerusalem, and 
Hananiah was regarded, as we saw here, described as a man who was more faithful and God-fearing than many others. These are the men that were assigned. These are the men that Nehemiah had passed off Jerusalem to, to oversee. Again, Nehemiah understood that his work was to lead to the, the rebuilding of the wall around Jerusalem, not to oversee it and entirely after the fact. It was at this point that he handed it over to two faithful and God-fearing men. And the gates were to have guards posted at them. And he told them. And we can gather from what had happened up to this point that I'm sure that the enemy at this point was, was not going to relent. Said, hey, open late, close early. Open the gates late when the, the sun is up high enough to cause some heat, in other words, is how he was describing it. And then close the gates early. We need to Make sure that the city is secure. Because of the opposition and the many attacks of the enemy against this work, and actually the worship of God, the Israelites had to be diligent in securing the city and appoint watchmen to guard the walls and the gates. Reminded me of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, which says, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. In other words, the apostle Peter, as we think about uh, the whole interaction between the Lord and Satan as he went to and fro, and how it was that they had that exchange, and how it was that that he was in that moment looking for someone to devour. And Job, I know he was allowed to affect. He has not ceased from doing that today. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus said the thief, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. In fact... In Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul, and I know I refer to this often, why? Because this is reality. This is exactly what happens today. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, he says to the elders in Ephesus, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. And now, and this is very important, verse 32 is super important. Because he says this, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, 
which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. In other words, with this, the point with Paul that he commended them to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified, is important. He had given him the full counsel of God's word. And he said, that's enough. God's word is enough to give you everything necessary to stand and have discernment and know how to stand guard against these fierce wolves that I'm describing to you. It's not anyone. It's simply God's word. That was it. Well, Nehemiah had finished the work and had set everything up in such a way that the people were were well prepared and equipped to continue without him. Even though there were few in the city, they were well prepared. He entrusted them to the Lord, knowing that they were able to maintain and guard what had been entrusted to them. When a great work has been achieved in our walks with the Lord, don't let your guard down. Don't ever let your guard down. Make sure you set up the proper watches that can't be easily penetrated by the enemy. Because it's in those times of victory when we let our guard down. That's when we are most vulnerable. This could have happened. And yet Nehemiah made sure Be watchful, be sober-minded. Because the devil, our adversary, walks around prowling like a roaring lion, lion, seeking someone to devour. He knew that. He wanted to make sure that the city could not be easily penetrated by the enemy. Ephesians 6.13 says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Know God's word and its application. Be discerning and be prepared to act accordingly. This is why the men who were placed in charge of Jerusalem were two men who were faithful and God-fearing. That's how they were described. Faithful and God-fearing. More than most men is what Nehemiah wrote. Because they would be, or they were discerning and God-fearing, they would act according to God's wisdom. They would rely on God's wisdom. Why? Because they were faithful to him. They were God-fearing. They revered him above all. They would serve to glorify him and to faithfully protect Jerusalem and the worship of God. Nehemiah's desire was that Jerusalem would prosper and grow And thus recorded, again, those who were there to better organize them and build upon. Well, the rest of the chapter gives us the people and records for us those who were brought together, who came back to Jerusalem. And we're going to go through them. I'm not going to uh, explain this in detail because it's more of an account, a, a census that was taken of the whole gathering that were there, was there in that day. 
Verse 5 says, Then my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles and the officials and the people to be enrolled by genealogy. And I found the book of the genealogy of those who came up at the first, and I found written in it. These were the people of the province who came up out of the captivity of those exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried into exile. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his own. They came with Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Azariah, Ramiah, Namani, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mispreth, Bigvi, Nem, and Bana. The number of the men uh, of the people of Israel, and I won't read through them, but it lists them there along with their numbers. Fast forward to verse 39. So these were the men of Israel. Now we come to the priests. Verse 39, the priests, the sons of Judea, namely the house of Jeshua, 973. The sons of Immer, 1,052. The sons of Peshur, 1,247. The sons of Haram, 1,017. Then we have the Levites in verse 43. And it lists those, the sons of Jeshua, namely of Cadmiel, of the sons of Hodeva, and it goes on and lists them by name and also the number. We also have the temple servants, beginning in verse 46. This lists the temple servants and then goes on to Solomon's servants, who we already identified in previous messages. In verse 61, we continue with those who are unconfirmed Jews. And yet, I want to make it a point and note that they came anyway. They came anyway. You know, they weren't confirmed. They didn't know their genealogy, and yet they came, and they gave themselves to the work. And they also wanted to come back from from Babylon to Jerusalem. And then we have in verses 66 and on to 73, the total... Uh, of the people who chose to leave Babylon and resettle in Israel. It's truly remarkable, but one of the things that I had pointed out previously is that there was a very small, it was a very small percentage of the total number of Jews that had been carried off into exile into Babylon. In fact, the percentage is more around 2% and might have even been under 2% that came back, chose to come back from the comforts of Babylon and come back to Jerusalem. The rest, well, the rest were enjoying, they were comfortable. They weren't willing to make the difficult journey back to establish themselves in a land that, again, at this point that we read, still in some ways, in many ways, remained in rubble. There were many houses that still had to be rebuilt. And so the majority of them did not want to go back to that. They remained in Babylon and didn't come back. But those who did come back, those people demonstrated that God was more important than any comforts that they could enjoy in Babylon. They would rather be in a better place. And the better place was being in the land that God had given to them. That was the better place. 
whether it remain in ruins up to that point, and there was much work and, and many more battles to engage in. It really didn't matter. For those people, it was worth coming back to Babylon or coming back to Jerusalem from Babylon and being there where God met them, where God had set up the place where they were to worship him, where they were to gather as God's people. We see those who were mentioned, the list of people who had come. We see what they had. In verses 66 through 69, we see that the whole assembly together was 42,360 besides their male and female servants of whom there were 7,337 and they had 245 singers, male and female. Their horses were 736, their mules 245, their camels 435, and their donkeys 6,720. <laughs> this is a detailed account of everything that they had. So we know what, who came back and then what they had. In fact, the singers that are mentioned at the beginning of the chapter, now we know exactly how many there were. There were 245 male and female singers. We also have here described to us what they gave. In verse 7, it says, Now some of the heads of the fathers of fathers' houses gave to the work. The governor gave to the treasury 1,000 derricks of gold, 50 basins, 30 priests' garments, and 500 minus of silver. And some of the heads of the fa of fathers' houses gave into the treasury of the work 20,000 derricks of gold and 2,200 minas of silver, and what the rest of the people gave was 20,000 derricks of gold, 2,000 minas of silver, and 67 priests' garments. So everyone participated, everyone brought, and everyone gave. They gave willingly. They all participated. But again... The most important thing about the people coming together to build the wall was not even the wall itself. It wasn't. It wasn't the wall. It wasn't the gates. It was simply that they came gathering together to worship their God. It says in verse 73, so the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, some of the people, the temple servants and all Israel lived in their towns. And when the seventh month had come, the people of Israel were in their towns. What a beautiful ending. Because at this point, the, the wall is done. The people are gathered together. The gates are hung. The people are assigned to various positions. And now the people were in their towns. David Guzik said this, quote, The building work wasn't all that important. What was important was the benefit the building work had in the lives of God's people, teaching them to work hard, work together, work through adversity and attack, and work till the job is done. Close quote. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, simply put... Lord, I have one request. Is that you would help us to be men and women 
who learn to persevere. But we cannot do it, Lord, without your help, without you going before us, empowering us for the work that you have entrusted to us. And Lord, even our own lives, Lord, that we may bring you glory. We desire, Father, that our lives may, may bless you as we serve you, as we gather together and in one spirit and with one heart. Lord, gather together to serve you and to worship you. May it again be glorifying to you. May you glorify yourself in this place. We thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love. And we thank you for being gracious toward us. Go before us. Help us to simply follow. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.